Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, folks. Hey, Justin. How's it going, Randy? Uh, It's going well. How are you? Uh, Pretty good. Uh, Yeah. You know, we've been watching Star Trek Discovery, and uh, the show's getting better and better. Yeah. I mean, how bad can it be when... I think we've said this before, but it bears repeating. There's a new Star Trek show on TV every week. And it's I beginning. Feel so lucky. And it's finally really feeling like Star Trek. Yeah, it's it's coming together for sure. And you know, one of the one of the thoughts I have about this, uh, you know, and I'll I'll save most of it for later, is that as a serialized show which we're not really that used to having for Star Trek, you know, apart from some short, you know, story arcs in in the various series. You know, part of me has been thinking, well, how much more like Star Trek can it really get if it's already planned out, right? Like, they have these these, uh, chapters, right, that they're planning out. So, you know, it's pretty much going to be set in stone. But, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about this episode. Yeah. We're going to talk about Season 1, Episode 7, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. What a great title. (laughs) What does it mean, though? (laughs) The the Discovery writers are really into the long titles. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're digging deep there to evoke the uh, feelings of the original series with those, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so the episode begins with the credits and not a pre-credit scene. Oh, right. You know, I just now kind of put that together. Which is weird. Uh-huh. We're not used to that. Um, And then when the actual episode begins, we get Burnham's personal log, which I noted feels more like Trek, like traditional uh-huh. Trek, when, uh-huh. you, when you have a captain's log or a personal log. Yeah, is that the first time we've had that? Uh, I don't know. Well, at least not one that has, you know, really stood out like this. Yeah, this one definitely stood out. Um... There's a party on Discovery. Uh, uh-huh. People are playing a variation of beer pong, which is weird to me. <laughs> yeah, it was like a college party. Yeah, and they're playing the song uh, We Trying to Stay Alive by Wyclef Jean. Um, okay. Which I noted would be considered classical music if we're to <laughs> go by the Star Trek Beyond uh, definition. Yeah, not even, uh, it wouldn't even be oldies. I mean, it would be straight up classical music. Yeah. I, I, you know, this kind of reminded me of, of the, all the, the times we talked about, uh, them watching old films, uh, on Enterprise. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think maybe this was a little more appropriate, um, because it was something that was fairly current, um, versus, you know, them always watching like old black and white movies on Enterprise. <laughs> Uh, th- I noted that this uh, song is very on the nose because it has the "Stand Alive" chorus, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which will become a theme throughout this episode. Yeah. Uh, and then at this party, Burnham feels out of place because she doesn't go to parties. Mm-hmm. I mean, she grew up on Vulcan for crying out loud. Uh, so Burnham and Tyler uh, have an interaction, and then they're called to the bridge. And uh, they run into Stamets and the Doctor, literally, run into mm-hmm. him. Uh, we see that uh, Stamets has a cybernetic implant to make him more comfortable when using the spore drive. And uh, Stamets mm-hmm. is still really like a hippie right now. 
<laughs> He's totally tripping. Uh, Discovery encounters a Gormagander. Okay. It's a space-faring creature. It's like a space whale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Which they actually refer to it as later on. <laughs> it's uh, it's facing extinction because it's more mm-hmm. focused on feeding than on reproducing. Okay. Kind of like how Burnham is consumed by her work rather than mm-hmm. personal relationships. Oh, I see what they did there. You see, there's these parallels. Uh, yes, yes. So many so far. So they beam the Gormaginer aboard, and a hostile walks out of its mouth and shoots a bunch of Starfleet officers. Yeah. And, uh, the... Doesn't stun them. Nope. Kills them dead. Uh, this hostile reveals himself to be Harry Mud. Hey. Hey, Harry. So was it just me, or at first it kind of looked like an Andorian spacesuit? You would imagine with like the little antenna pods or whatever. Yeah, I could, Anyways. S- I could see it. I, w- I was thinking a rabbit the whole time. Uh, so. <laughs> Some... Or it's a dead mouse or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, you know, it was, it was weird. <laughs> For sure. Um, so Mud wants to take over Discovery uh, so he can sell it to the Klingons. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wants revenge on Lorca, of course, for leaving him behind, you know. Uh, so Mud detonates a bomb, and then we're taken back to earlier in the episode at the party. Mm-hmm. So something's yep. going on. We've got a time loop. Um, This time, Stamets stops Burnham and Tyler before they get on the turbo lift, and he warns them about the Gormagander. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noted that at this point, it seems like he's been trying to warn them several times, given how frustrated he yeah, is. Yeah, he's just totally exasperated at this point. So it's clear that Mud's been up to this for a little while. Yeah. Uh, so as Burnham and Tyler are examining the Gormagander, there's a black alert. And uh, Burnham and Tyler go to engineering and see that Mud has taken over. Uh, fortunately, Stamets shoots Mud in the back with a phaser. Uh, mm-hmm. But the the spore drive is overloading, and uh, Stamets explains that he's seen this play out several times, and he still hasn't figured out how to stop the ship from exploding. The ship explodes, and the loop starts again. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, Burnham is on the on her way to uh, examine the Gormagander. Uh, this time Stamets stops her. Uh, Stamets explains that time starts over every thirty minutes, or if they all die. And mm-hmm. uh, Lorca heads to sick bay to check on Stamets because he gets a call on the bridge. Um, the turbo lift stops and Harry Mudd is there and he takes Lorca prisoner. Uh, he says that the message from sick bay was fake and uh, Mudd wanted Lorca so he could get access to an area of the ship that he couldn't reach before. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, Stamets hypothesizes that he's immune to the time loop because of the tardigrade DNA. And he needs Burnham's help to stop Mud uh, before Mud figures out that Stamets is the missing piece of the spore drive. Right. And uh, he's hoping that Tyler has information that can help him since Tyler was cellmates with Mud. Right. I mean, it's a long shot, but I mean, I guess they have to try everything. Yeah. I mean, they <laughs> Stamets can't do this loop over and over again. It's driving him mad. Yeah. And you really do see... Um, you know Stamets and uh, uh, Anthony Rapp does a does a great job of just this increasing exasperation with the situation. Yeah, 
He, he's he's very quickly becoming one of my favorite characters, and uh, I think he's he's this very uh, unique breed of comic relief on the show. I do like the change in direction in this character. I was mm-hmm. very irritated with him. I, I mean, he was supposed to be an irritating character. <laughs> he was off-putting for sure. Yeah, but I'm. Uh, since he's become this hippy dippy guy, uh, I've, I've been enjoying him more. Um, Stamets asked Burnham to tell him a secret that only she would know so that he can prove that they've had this conversation before. He's, mm-hmm. he's got to, you know, shorten the explanation time because they only have 30 minutes. Right, right. And, you know, for the viewers, it would probably get a little uh, redundant if they keep going through this every single time. So that's a good bit, a little bit of writing there. Uh, We learned that Mud has killed Lorca 53 times. Okay. And we see an Edge of Tomorrow style montage of some of the kills. Yeah, that was really great. Uh, the loop restarts and, uh, Burnham is back at the party. Samus goes up to her and tells her the secret that Burnham has never been in love. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, bring us down there, <laughs> Michael. Uh, she misses her chance to get info from Tyler. So she and Stamets dance as he explains to Burnham about how he and uh, the doctor fell in love. Yeah. That was like, you know, it was, I, I, you know, I say this, uh, wholeheartedly, it was, it was touching, but then, you know, it was also a neat little bit of backstory Yeah, for these characters. Um, un- unfortunately, Burnham will forget it all in the next loop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the loop starts again. This time Burnham asks Tyler to dance and they're real that they have feelings for each other. And Tyler tells her uh, what he knows about Mud, and Burnham figures out that Mud has a time crystal. Okay. Uh, on the bridge, classical music, like real, actual classical music, uh-huh. uh huh, starts playing, and Mud walks onto the bridge. Uh, he beams Lorca off the bridge and threatens the ship with weaponized dark matter pellets that he found in Lorca's secret weapons room. Wow, he's really got everything in there. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burnham, Tyler, and Samus show up on the bridge to stop mud, and Tyler is vaporized with the dark matter. Uh, Stamets can't take all the killing and reveals that he is the key to the drive. Uh, meanwhile, Burnham and Tilly examine the Garmagander and discover that Mud's ship, and thus the time crystal, uh, are inside the uh, Garmagander. Mm-hmm. And he's interfacing it with some sort of gauntlet. Yeah. Right? Some sort of, or some sort of bracer on his, on his wrist. So Burnham needs Mud to restart time again, and she goes to him and tells him that the Klingons would pay a hefty sum for her because she killed Takovma, and uh, right. she swallows a dark matter pellet. So Mud is forced to restart the loop again because he obviously he wants that money that he could get from the Klingons uh, for her. Um, mm-hmm. So the loop starts again. Uh, this time... However, Lorca and the crew are ready for Mud on the bridge. Lorca agrees to hand over Discovery, Stamets, and Burnham if Mud agrees to spare the rest of the crew. Um, Mud agrees and calls the Klingons. Uh, his risk controller uh, disappears, but he doesn't seem to care because he's getting everything he wanted. Yeah, so that, that I guess that indicated that the half-hour window had now elapsed without it resetting or... Uh, them dying, right? 
That's what, how I took it. I wasn't sure what was going on. <laughs> right. His, it just disappeared. It, it just disappeared, and he didn't really make a big stink about it. It was almost like there was a missing bit there of them, you know, destroying the time crystal in his ship inside the the uh, the space whale. Yeah. Um. So Burnham, Stamets, and Tyler reveal that they learned about Mud's so-called beloved Stella. Hmm. So Mud has uh Mud had fled with her dowry. So Stella and her father had been hunting Mud down. <laughs> Of course. Uh, Tyler had rewired the captain's chair. It turns out that Mud did not send his coordinates to the Klingons. He sent them to Stella instead. And uh, Stella and her father show up and take Mud away. In this final timeline, as time is progressing now mm-hmm. regularly, mm-hmm. Uh, Burnham and Tyler never danced with each other and never kissed. And so they still have this will they, won't they thing going on. Right. So in that sense, it's it's one of those, you know, typical, you know, time has been or or I guess the timeline has been reset. So all the stuff that happened kind of did in that respect didn't really matter because they don't know about it anymore. Yeah. But Stamets remembers. And of course, Mm -hmm. we, the audience, remember. Yes. Stamets remembers everything. Uh yeah, so I really enjoyed this episode. Um it's Me too. it's very much like the next generation episode cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not a problem. That's fine. I'm happy with right, that. Right, right. It had its own unique kind of, you know, spin on things and uh yeah, I feel like it wouldn't be Star Trek if we didn't get a time loop episode. Uh yeah, and uh Rain Wilson, uh still great as Harry Mudd. Yeah, I thought that this was his I mean, what is this his second appearance now as Mud? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's in a, in a very short span too. Yeah, but I, I I do think that it was the far superior of the Mud uh, appearances. Uh, but I I do I do like how you know we we were talking about wow you know it's it's so un Starfleet like to leave mud behind to basically face torture at the hands of the Klingons. Um, but it did set this up. Right. So mud's out for revenge on Lorca Mm -hmm. and, and he can get paid by the Klingons. Yeah. You know, speaking of the Klingons, they weren't in this episode and I did not miss them. Right. And you know, I wonder if that's part of what made this episode feel so special was that it's really the first episode so far where we didn't have the Klingons involved. The last one had very minimal Klingon Mm, involvement. Right, right. You know, I I agree, though. Like, overall, this this one really nailed the Star Trek feel for me. Yeah, Uh, they they started with a personal log. They had mm -hmm. the time loop. Uh, They had Mm -hmm. the use, you know, science to figure out how to get out of their situation. Right. They, and they had with the, with the, the, the space whale encounter, it was a very, you know, sort of, um, you know, typical, you know, Starfleet comes across an alien life form and needs to assist it, you know, that, that sort of thing, like a very scientific mission uh, that they were on, but it, it all kind of wove together so well. Um, Harry Mudd's a really awful person. <laughs> oh Yeah. Definitely. He, you know, the the original series, you know, he's just kind of like a uh, a scallywag, and uh, you know, 
not 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 the greatest guy, but I mean here we see many of the more than fifty times he kills Lorca. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not saying it was not really great or funny or you know it wasn't cool to see all those different deaths or whatever. But I'm just like, wow, you know, this character is really unlikable, but in a in a in a really well done way. Yeah, like uh, like I think he's a great villain now. Which and is very memorable. Which is weird because, like you said, the original Harry Mudd was not this evil. Right, right. But um, I do think that even when he, in, 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 I mean, I, I guess this isn't really uh, the most uh, uh, astute observation, but you know, he was really funny while he was being evil. Mm-hmm. He was a funny evil villain, um, but still menacing still creepy yeah i mean you needed him to keep winning until the end then mm-hmm. it's much more satisfying when mm-hmm. he finally gets his comeuppance yeah and and i think rain wilson is is just great for this because he's his timing I and mean, he's just so funny um and he really brings this this classic character to a new life i think um yeah so i'm i'm interested to see where we go from here um, you know, this has definitely set up some things, uh, you know, uh, uh, an, another, you know, observation here is that it's an episode where the crew of the enterprise wasn't at odds with one another at all. Um, and I think pretty much in every episode up to this point, the crew or some members of the crew have been just at odds to some degree. Yeah. Um, they felt, uh, yeah, everything, everyone felt more unified. And another thing I was thinking about just now is this episode is so self-contained, which is another mm-hmm. reason why it feels so Star Trek-y. Mm-hmm. hmm Well, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they, you know, sort of intermix episodes like this. It was, you know, you said self-contained. I mean, it was sort of the, the result of something that happened in a previous episode. But then again, there are some things we can see coming out of this episode, but I guess it's not like it necessarily furthers the main wartime storyline at all. Right. It's an episode that I feel like you could show anyone and they would just get what's going on right away. Yeah. Without needing the background of there's this Klingon war and it started because Mm -hmm. all this yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and by the way, I just thought of something. Speaking of that, um, that that I noted uh, was that in her personal log, um, we get the sense that some time has passed since the last episode uh, because Burnham talks about you know basically how the uh, discovery has been sort of instrumental so far in the war, and that the and that Starfleet is actually and the Federation is actually winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, some key victories against the Klingons. Uh, so we get the sense that, that the war, that some time has passed, basically. Right. Um, which was, which was, I think, a really uh, sort of, um, you know, elegant way to, to handle, like, not having to show all this passage of time. They could just have Burnham talk about what's been going on. Yeah, that's the kind of the beauty of these captain's logs mm-hmm. or personal logs. Yeah. So I look forward, hopefully we'll get more of those. You know, I personally, I wouldn't mind if every episode started with Burnham's personal log. Yeah, that'd Especially be great. She's supposed to be the main character. So I think we could get a lot of insight into what's going on in between, I guess, episodes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so great, great stuff. I big fan um, of this episode. I think it's probably, you know, I, I really love the pilots or the the two parter. But I think as a, as a episode, as a non pilot episode, this is by far my favorite. I know that you like last week's a lot too. I do like last week's a lot. I think this one is better. Yeah, um, which is great. I mean, I'm hoping this show gets better and better. Hmm. Uh, not to say that I dislike the show at all. It's just, you know, it's great when a show can keep improving. Mm-hmm. Um, so next time, we're going to talk about Seawis Pacum Parabellum, um, which is uh, Latin. So if you want peace, prepare for war. Oh, okay. But they're already at war. Uh, it's, it seems to be a Saru-centric episode. Yeah, interesting. So, you know, we're, we're learning more. We learned more about Stamets, uh, Stamets' mm-hmm. background in this episode. And, uh, we're going to learn more about Saru hopefully next time. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it because, you know, some of my favorite, uh, episodes of TNG were the character centric ones where we learned more about an individual character. Mm-hmm. So should be good stuff. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you then. Yep. See ya. Yeah.